Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Please stand to your feet. I want to um, open in prayer and really want the, the Lord to move in your life. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to be uh, in your presence once again experience you and to lavish on you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that you so deserve. Uh, We just honor and thank you for being a great and awesome God in this place and in our lives. And we want to marvel at what you're doing in the earth and in our lives and how you're changing us and how we're becoming anew in our hearts and in our minds and how you're answering our prayers, and how we're hearing your voice, and how we are seeing you move in this earth and in our lives and on our behalf, Lord God. Um, you know, we can speak those things, but do not as though they were. And so we thank you for doing those tiny things in our lives, that those silent prayers that we prayed to ourselves, you can answer and you will answer. Thank you for obedient children. We thank you for uh, saved family members. We thank you for uh, saved loved ones, friends uh, that need you. Uh, we thank you for allowing us to be the vessel that will introduce your kingdom to them, Lord God. Uh, let us be the example in the earth. Um, and let us locally be the example in the city and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods of what Christ will be. And is. Uh, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Um, God is great and greatly to be praised. And I'm excited about all that he's doing. Um, last time I spoke, we, um, we were in Matthew and we talked about uh, seeking first the kingdom of God. And out of that, um, I kind of was like, oh, I like Matthew. Uh, not as well as I like Romans. Romans is still my favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're going to stay in Matthew, and we're going to uh, look at the Sermon on the Mount. And and then and then looking at that, I was like, man, I can get like 20 messages out of the Sermon on the Mount. I really could. Really. I, you can. So we're going to stay there. So whenever I preach, um, whenever that is, we're going to be, um, we're going to go through the Sermon on the Mount. Because uh, they literally are, uh, I looked at different, uh, outlines about 20 messages <laughs> in just the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to preach them all. It's going to take me into next year, possibly. Uh, but uh, we're going to start with this intro and look at the Beatitudes, and then we'll go through uh, some other sections of the Sermon on the Mount. Some good stuff is in there, you guys. Um, I hope you kind of read through it, and you know, if you have questions, email me, or if you say, hey, you know, have you thought about this or any angle? That I, you know, if you're going ahead, uh, like I said, we're going to do an intro. We're going to look at the Beatitudes today, and uh, then we're going to look at salt and light um, the next time I preach, which I think is the 15th, I think. Uh, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Uh, But looking at the Beatitudes, so uh, just, again, we're going to do an intro. This is just an intro, and then looking at the Beatitudes, and then we'll get uh, deeper into this. Um, One of the most... uh, Surprisingly, in my research, 
that the Sermon on the Mount is probably one of the most written about portions of Scripture that you will find. So a lot of people have written about it. And it is the longest teaching of Jesus that's recorded in the Scripture. Uh, it, it is his initial sermon, I would say. <laughs> uh, interpretation of the uh, Sermon on the Mount is that it is the good news of the kingdom. Uh, it It is for true righteousness and desires us to be uh, look at the matter of our heart, which is what we're going to look at in the Beatitudes. And this is how, and it goes about how disciples of Jesus should live. So it tells us how we should live in the kingdom. Not the kingdom to come, but the kingdom we are in right now, his kingdom right now. Uh, so I'm going to do a little breakdown. And I did an outline of the Sermon on the Mount, and I came up with like 10 different, 10 or 11, 10, I think, different sections. But then, and looking at some things last night, I saw another outline, and I like his outline better. And I was like, oh. This is a really good outline. Um, I'm going to go with mine, but I'm going to re- reference this other guy's outline as well because I think I'm going to use that going forward. Um, but the Sermon on the Mount talks about uh, once gives us the introduction, and, it, and the introduction is the Beatitudes, and that is concerning the heart. And outside of this being the Sermon on the Mount introduction and overview, this title could be Matters of the Heart because that's what we're going to look at, Matters of the Heart and the Beatitudes. Uh, and then you have... Uh, Christian witness or relationship to the world. So you're talking about sight, uh, salt and light and how the church should be, how we should be the salt of the world and light to the world. And salt is just not used for flavoring but for preservation. And so in, 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 in researching and looking at this, you know, we are to be, we are to save a decaying world. So when meat is going bad or to prevent meat from going bad, you put salt on it to preserve it, right? And so we are the salt to this decaying world so that we can preserve it. You are salt to your decaying neighborhoods or to your decaying workplaces so you can preserve them. Uh, then we also look at relationships to, with others. Uh, so it looks at relationships with others, talking about do not kill. Um, and I'll, that also talks about uh, interpreting the moral law. And in this, Jesus is looking, referencing the Old Testament, and he's bringing a new with to the Old Testament. He's actually going further. So it's not just about uh, committing adultery, but it's about you, you, when you think about it, you've already committed. When you've looked on someone with lust, you've already committed adultery. And, he, and it's like, man, you've taken that a little bit further. So it's not just the conduct, but it's the seed in which that conduct may grow from that he looks at, which is, called, which is the matter of the heart. He's not looking at just how you act, but where is that coming from? What is the motivation behind you disliking your brother or wanting to be, get a divorce or uh, not having reliable or integrity in your speech. And eye for an eye and love your enemies. The seed of that, that's what we're going to look at. Um, then also, how do we respond to hostility? Do we turn to other cheek? Um, cheek is references where you kiss. And so it's not necessarily about when someone smacks you, then you turn around and get smacked again. But it's about making right the relationship that you have. Because when they would greet someone, a friend, they would kiss them on the cheek, right? And so it's not about, oh, let me turn the other cheek so you can hit me again. It is let me make this relationship so right that I can greet you just like I would greet any of my other friends. We're going to get there. <laughs> Some good stuff we're going to get We're going to. Get to. So uh, oh, then, then we're looking at guidance for the holy living. So we're looking at attitude and our response to the poor our prayer life, our attitude towards money, 
uh, our attitude towards circumstances. And we try to look at that when we talk about seek ye first the kingdom of God. And in that seek ye first, it talks about not worrying. Don't be anxious for anything. And you know that when we worry, it means that we don't believe God can do what he said he can do. And we think that we can do better. <laughs> because if I'm going to worry about it, that means that I worry about my kids because they can't do some things. <laughs> and it may be appropriate for me to worry about them. But when I worry about what God said he's going to do, God is like, I, I got this. You don't have to worry about what I say I'm going to do. Worry about yourself. Uh, <laughs> that's what he says that to me, maybe not to you. Uh, then our attitude towards others uh, and how we, how, uh, and other people that may have wronged us. So it talks about don't judge. And then finally, it looks at the Christian destiny. Some talking about the narrow gate and the wise and foolish builders. Again, that's a lot of stuff that we can dig into. And, uh, and I just kind of touched some of the highlights in these 10. But like I said, when I was going back through some other, somebody else's outline, they had 20, and I was like, oh, this is a really good 20. Uh, they had, like, I think, 18 or 19. So it was really good. Close to 20. Uh, well, and I think they had more than that because they had the Beatitudes separated into two different sections. I'm going to try to hit them all today. I'm actually, I will hit them all today. We're going to go through it today. So, so let's jump into it. But first, before we jump into uh, the Beatitudes, I just want to give you some some background uh, just, uh, in general about the Sermon on the Mount. Because when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it can be somewhat... Uh, overwhelming and again thinking about the law and looking at what Jesus is preaching here it's like man this is hard to do you know this is hard to to kind of put this into practice and the motivations behind this and the practice and the actions that Jesus is telling us that we should follow this is hard to do and what he reminds us is that it's not hard to do if you have a heart change so if I transplant your heart this isn't hard to do you renew your mind, this isn't hard to do. And we're going to work on that. So so we're going to go back in Matthew 4, because we're going to start in Matthew 5. But just kind of leading up to Matthew 5, Jesus begins his ministry, and he begins teaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it is drawing near. And he is the kingdom, you know. He is, <laughs> he is the message and the messenger. You know, he is saying, hey, not literally, not not a, not literally t- telling them, but he is the example of the message and the messenger. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But it talks about the kingdom being near. And Jesus picks his disciples in chapter 4. Uh, and then this is important because Jesus heals. That's where he starts his ministry out, meeting the needs of the people. So he is concerned about our spiritual needs. He's also concerned about our physical needs. He first met the needs of the people where they were physically. So with the lame and the sick and the blind and all those people who need healing, he met their needs first before he preached the word. He was the example of, I'm going to meet your needs. If your stomach is growling, you can't hear the word (laughs) over your growling stomach. Let me feed you first food, natural food, and then I can feed you spiritual food. He's been an example of that. Hey, let me meet that spiritual. Let me meet that physical need first, and then we can meet that uh, that spiritual need. So we go into Matthew five, and Jesus starts his ministry uh, a little bit different because you would think that Jesus would say, "Well, let me go in the synagogue and teach," or "Let me go where uh, some arena 
he doesn't do that. He's not um, confined to four walls of the church. He takes it outside on the side of a mountain. And that lets me know that you can preach anywhere. <laughs> the gospel is good anywhere. Wherever you want to take it, it is important and it is good. So you're not confined to just preaching here in these four walls or even on these grounds. Take it outside. Take it to your workplace and, and preach the gospel. Uh, he's not doing the usual uh, his initial sermon was on the mountainside, and he takes the message outside of the synagogue. And so then we start with the Beatitudes. So let's read this. We're going to read down to uh, verse 12, and then we're going to jump into some of what this means. Um, and seeing the multitude, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So he was teaching them before he op- ever opened his mouth, right? He was already teaching them by being an example, by healing, uh, by just even sitting on the mountainside with the people and being with the people. And then he opened his mouth to teach them. And then verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for uh, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely by my sake, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we will find out they were persecuted Jesus as well. Uh, so those are the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is just uh, you must be before we can do certain things. Beatitudes means good news is focused on the inward character and not the outward conduct. Because we want to get to the outward conduct later. But the Beatitudes is focused on inward character. And his character, and this is interesting because Jesus is focused on character first. He doesn't focus on what you should do, how you should do it to get to those things, but he focused on, hey, it's a heart matter. It has to be a change here. Before we can do any of this other stuff, it has to be a change here in your heart. Uh, and says blessed. And blessed is important. So previously, uh, blessings were conferred upon people of high stature. So Moses was considered blessed. Abraham was several times was said he was blessed. And David was blessed. And Jesus begins to say, blessed is the poor in spirit. And if you listen to that, it was like, hey, how is the poor in spirit blessed, right? You know, that's not what we initially would say would be a blessing. We don't long to be poor in spirit. Most of us don't. Um, But when we get an understanding, a better understanding of what poor in spirit is, and it's not just talking about poverty uh, when it comes to finances, but it's talking about how spiritually bankrupt we are. How I can do nothing of my own. I need, I need a God. I need a Jesus because I can't save myself. I am totally deprived. Maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> and I need a Savior who can come and save me. And that is what this is saying, that blessed are you who recognize that you need a Savior. Because if you recognize that you need a Savior... 
then you can go to the next level. You will mourn the sin that you're in. So blessed are are those uh, poor in spirit. I'm spiritually bankrupt, and I confess that I need a Savior. Uh, I realize that I need a God and that my good deeds mean nothing. I cannot do this on my own. I'm destitute. I'm spiritually poor. And the promise is that that I will gain the kingdom of heaven. I will get the kingdom of heaven. And when I realize that I'm spiritually bankrupt, then I can mourn my sin. So blessed are those who mourn or lament or grieve over their sins because blessed, the blessing that they're promised is they will be comforted. Now I can mourn over my sin. I'm uh, poor in spirit. I mourn my sin, but I realize that God is going to comfort me. And then I am meek. And I realize that that meekness is not uh, weakness or, uh, you know, I'm cowardly being quiet in a corner. Biblical meekness is not weakness, but rather refers to exercising strength under God's control. So I'm demonstrating power without undue harshness, that I am un- I'm under God's control and I can do what he has called me to do and be meek. And, and, and understand that and realize that that meekness is not about being weak, but meekness is about controlling God's power that is in me. And that meekness means that if I am that meek, the blessing of the meekness is that I will inherit the earth. And inherit means that I will take possession of that land of that, that he's called us to have. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, this is a crave ardently to hunger and thirst, to crave and to seek with eager desire. And I remember last time we spoke about uh, seek you first in the kingdom of God. We looked at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. Here we are again talking about a hunger and thirst, talking about meat and drink. And it's just not about the physical that you may desire for your flesh. It's far more deeper than that. It's about refreshing your soul, what your soul is yearning for and desiring for. Desiring righteousness, that righteousness is justice, uh, that rightness is God is the source and author, and that's divine righteousness. It is that I am justified and approved by God in this righteousness. And the only way that I can have this righteousness is through Jesus Christ. Uh, and the blessing of that is that if I hunger and thirst after this, I will be filled. It didn't say maybe. It didn't say you might. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he will, you shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. So again, he wants us to be have compassion for people in need. Giving to the needy is important. He also wants us to forgive others for their sins. He wants us to be merciful. This is this requires us to be a change here. This is not here. This is not an act. This is requiring us to have change in our heart. Because it's, it's difficult to forgive other people. We find that, that oftentimes it is almost some people carry things to the grave. They say, I can't forgive that. I, that's, I, I never will get over that issue or that, that problem. And he's saying, no, blessed are the merciful. And what will you receive? What is your promise that you receive if you're merciful? You receive mercy. And we need mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart is not just, uh, you know, is those that walk with integrity before God. It's a, it's a, it's not, it's a clean heart, 
In Psalms 51, it talks about uh, an unclean heart. And, and here it's talking about a clean heart. Only God can change us to have a pure heart. We can't change ourselves. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit to have us have a clean heart, a pure heart before God that I can walk with integrity before him. And when I have a pure heart, the promise is that he's called us sons of God. This is important. And then also, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Those that make peace between offended parties with others, between others and themselves, and between others and God. God, we can be peacemakers in the earth. We can make peace with others. We can help others make peace. And then we can bring peace to others by showing them to Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers, because the blessing is that we get the kingdom of heaven. No, no I'm sorry. The, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. We are called sons of God. Persecutors. Let me make sure I said that right. Peacemakers. Yeah, called sons of God. A couple times. Uh, the ble- and then persecuted. The persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. This is the persecuted. You're suffering for Christ's sake. This is not persecution just for persecution. This is not persecution because you were running off at the mouth and people got mad at you. You probably should be persecuted for that. Uh, <laughs> but this is for Christ's sake, that you're living a righteous life and people don't like you because of that. People see that you're doing the right thing all the time and they may not appreciate that. People see that you're walking with integrity and they don't like that. And blessed are you who are persecuted for his sake because the kingdom of heaven is yours. And that is the blessing that comes with that. So we look at those things and says, okay, here, here's the hard things that uh, G, uh, Jesus wants us to look at. And so who would be an example? Who could I choose to be an example for these things, right? And I thought about that, and I was like, who would be the perfect example for what he's talking about? Jesus. <laughs> he is the messenger and the message all in one. And I don't know if they realized it. I'm sure they didn't realize it. But maybe later on they realized that he was preaching an introduction about himself. This is where he's leading to. He's saying, hey, (laughs) I had to be poor in spirit. I, I uh, I was before God and I had existed in the form of God. In order to come to the earth, I had to empty myself out deity and come down and make myself poor in spirit to be among you, to live among you. I had to mourn and take on the burdens of your sin. I had to be meek and take my, uh, have my godly divine power under control in this earth so that I wouldn't retribu- give retribution to you guys <laughs> uh, for mistreating me. His meekness and his treatment of many whom he, he, uh, he was meek in his treatment of many who he interacted with. Jesus balanced firmness and gentleness. He seeks to save rather than destroy. There's his meekness at work. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness, meaning that he was always did what the Father told him to do. That was what he desired to do, what the Father told him to do. That, that was his hunger and thirst. I will do nothing but what the Father tells me to do. In seeking godly character, are we prepared to do nothing but what the Father tells us to do? Is that what we prepare to do? He was merciful. His mercy is required for the for for to take our place. Is required for that 
to take our place and to take on that sin that he took on for us, it required mercy. And he had to separate himself from God. And he loved us so much and had so much mercy for us that he was willing to do that for us. To lay down his life and be a sacrificial lamb for us. Because he's so merciful. And to the eternal benefit that mercy triumphs judgment. And he realized that he didn't want us to be judged. So he gave his life so that we can receive his mercy. And that's what he wants us to be. Wants to be pure in heart. Means he was clean and blameless. He was unstained. He was free of guilt. He knew no no guilt. Uh, He was purified by fire and by pruning. Being pure in heart involves having singleness of heart towards God. The pure in heart has no hypocrisy, no guile, no hidden motives. The pure in heart is marked by transparency and uncompromising desire to please God in all things. He wants us to be pure in heart, just as he is. He's a peacemaker. God is the author of peace. Jesus is our peace. He came to reconcile the world back to him, which is peace. Uh, His death purchased peace, and his resurrection presence enables peace in the earth. He was persecuted for righteousness sake. Jesus crucified on the cross for our sins. He knew no wrong. It was not his fault. He didn't do it. But he took it upon himself and died for our sins. So he is the messenger and the message in the Beatitudes. And he, his desire is for us to have a heart change and take on this before we can do any of the other things, before we can be salt and light, before we can counsel and live a holy and righteous life, before we can seek you first, the kingdom in, in the, uh, in the uh, sermon as well, before we can do any of those other things, before we can do all the conduct that he requires, he wants us to get the character right. And that character, again, poor in spirit, once realizing that you're separated from him, mourn your sin. He will comfort you. Even in your mourning, he will comfort you. He wants you to be meek in how you exchange and interact with others. He wants you to bless are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He wants you to seek and thirst after righteousness. He wants you to be merciful because he's given you so much mercy. And that's who he is. Uh, he wants us to be pure in heart, having no ill motives about anything. And he wants us to be peacemakers. And all those other things are um, are actions that, you know, that are done within. But then he says, you will be persecuted. That, there's an outward thing that's done to you, not an inward work that's done that brings out. And you will be cur- persecuted because of the inward work that's done in you. So don't be surprised when people dislike you or persecute you or persecute your church. And it surprises me sometimes when people actually are surprised when the church gets persecuted as if the church isn't supposed to be persecuted because the Bible said that they're supposed to be persecuted, right? So why are we surprised? <laughs> he said it was going to happen. He was persecuted. The, the prophets were persecuted. They rejoice in that, exceedingly glad. And why would he say that? Because we haven't 
adopted the world system. We're only upset is when we adopt the world system, then we become upset because we're persecuted because we've adopted this world system. So we think we are supposed to have it easy just like everyone else, but the word says differently. Um, So let us rejoice. This is just the opening. This is just the Beatitudes. We're going to reference this several more times going forward, uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Um, But this is the beginning. You have to get this (laughs) character right before you can get the conduct right. Because if you don't have the character right, then the conduct will be difficult. If my heart isn't right, and my heart isn't pure, then my motives are not going to be pure, and then I'm going to have an attitude and act inappropriately or whatever the case may be. Um, those seeds, that, that, that is what he's after, the seeds in your heart. The seeds in your heart. So I want you, want you to stand your feet. And we'll, um, close, I know we'll, we'll close out this portion, and then we have communion. Uh, but I want to pray that you begin to... Um, Think about the seeds that are in your heart. What are you allowing to grow in your heart? And allow the Holy Spirit to kill those that need to be killed and allow him to uh, grow those that need to grow up. But let me stand to your feet as we close out this portion. We're going to have Dave come and give us a uh, communion. But let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for us in your word because you are the messenger and the message wrapped in one and that we need you above in and everything so you are our portion and you're all we need that's what we believe Lord God and it's just not in our in our minds that we believe it but we believe it in the heart that you are all we need and this world may throw a lot of things at us that 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 look appealing that says, hey, you want this too, and you want this too, and you can go after this, but we know that you're all we need. So we just pray that you begin to work on our hearts and begin to purify us and make us anew again. Uh, This is just the opening to working on us inwardly. We can do the things sometimes that look okay outwardly. We may convince others that we got it all together, but you know us intimately inwardly intimately, intimately see you see in me, Lord Jesus, when no one else does. So we pray that you begin to work on our hearts, begin to change us and make us anew. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I would just um, like to talk about a little bit about the history of the, the of the communion. You can sit down if you'd like to. And um, back in back during Moses' time, we have the Passover. There was these ten plagues, and the last plague was was the Passover where the angel. 
passed over the, the Jews because they had, had to put the blood on the on the doorpost to signify that they sacrificed and they were following God. Well, the Egyptians didn't do that. They they and so they had the death angel came by and it killed the firstborn, and so they had this huge problem of all these people were dying, and then then that's when Pharaoh finally allowed the the, the Jews to leave uh, leave uh, Egypt and go back toward the land where the, where the promised land. And so, just wanted to sort of give that little bit of a history there because for two thousand years the Jews have been been using the Passover and celebrating the Passover, and then finally, when Jesus comes along, he is the Passover Lamb. The perfect lamb that that provides the so we don't have to have those sacrifices and don't have to do the things that were done for two thousand years because of that. And then now in First Corinthians eleventh chapter, Paul Paul is talking to the Corinthian people. I do not praise you because you have come together nor ought to better but for the worse. So he's telling the Corinthian people that they they weren't doing the the communion right, the Last Supper. And so therefore they make together is not to to eat the last therefore when you meet together it is not to eat the Last Supper. For in your Eating each takes his own supper first, and and one is hungry and one is another is, is drunk. But so they they weren't doing the last supper the right way. But and then uh, down twenty three. For I received from the Lord that which I do not, which I also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he has betrayed, when which he was betrayed, took took bread, and when he had given the thanks, he, he gave thanks to it and asked, this is my body. So, It um, is this uh, doesn't have any leaven. It's it's just flat like a a piece of a cracker. Let's let's partake in this. That that is the Lord's body. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, "This is my body, which." You will remember to me. In the same one, the cup after saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do do this and off as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And so we're we're affirming that we've uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ and He's 
And as we drink this cup here, we, we are celebrating his death and, and that we have a relationship with him. Appreciate it. Is that it? Okay, then we're all. Oh, okay. Here, here he comes. That's right. He's going to announce us out. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Sam, you had something that you wanted to share before we leave today. The prayer team can come up, please. As someone out body who feel or sense that God may be saying this, if there's someone who come here today that got pain in their right hip, please come forward and let somebody pray for you. If you got pain in your left hip, you can come forward too. It ain't just the right hip. <laughs> yeah. So, so this was a specific word that they believe that God is saying to them. So we just want to share that with you, okay? Thank you. And another reminder that if uh, the prayer team is ministering with someone, if we can give them a little space and a little quiet so they can uh, do their work. Uh, speak this blessing over us before we leave today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's go in peace this week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.